So um, why don't we take some time uh, if there are um, questions about anything I've shared uh, on wisdom or on um, this uh, guided meditation. Yeah, let's just wait for a microphone for you. Yeah, And just one other thing to um, keep in mind as we... Uh, if we could just have the woman in the back with the scarf first. She just had her hand up first, yeah. So just one other thing to keep in mind is um, uh, being sensitive to one another and trying to make sure, like if you've already spoken once today, maybe to just hold back before raising your hand again. I'm not necessarily tracking who's spoken, so just asking all of us to do that internally so that others who maybe might need more space to come forward can feel like they have that space. Yeah. So please. Um, I meditate a lot um, because I'm in constant pain. I have rheumatoid arthritis and have had for like... Hold the mic a little bit closer. (laughs) I I meditate a lot and I have uh, rheumatoid arthritis and I'm in constant pain. But I noticed that when you said to focus on a certain part of your body, mm-hmm. one part that's not in pain, the only thing right now that's not in pain was my hand, at least during meditation. So um, at first it was kind of difficult, but then I started feeling the uh, the pain kind of go away in other places. Mm. So that was really Great. lovely. That Great. was really useful. Um, and by the time you said put it behind you, the pain was fading already to the back of me. Great. You know, I was hoping, hoping it wasn't being directed at anybody, but, you know, just fading yeah. slowly Great. behind me. So that was wonderful. Wonderful. Great. Yeah. I'm so glad. So I'll just summarize again, because the volume might have been a little soft. She's saying that rheumatoid arthritis, a uh, lot of pain, um, it seems constant. Um, but then that instruction to put the attention on a more neutral place in the body was very helpful and actually noticed the painful sensation fading into the background. So that practice is what we're going to be looking at after lunch, and that's about balance. So it was woven into this meditation, but this is the principle of being able to find balance and working with like figure uh, and uh, foreground and background, with figure and ground, and being able to change those in our awareness so, because what happens with pain, right, is that it's like it takes up the whole screen, and and uh, we can actually, um, when we widen our awareness, it's like it's taking up less space in our consciousness. So we'll be exploring that that tool more after lunch. Yeah. Other uh, questions or comments about the meditation or anything I shared before, Madison. First of all, thank you very much. I felt like those paragraphs before the meditation hit to the essence of exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. But then I kept wanting to raise my hand the whole time you were speaking because this is really painful. I've spent a lifetime of having a sense of what one would do to keep in shape and that somehow I could stay ahead of the curveball if I did those things. And then I've even seen some stories on the internet of 70-year-old female bodybuilder or um, 95-year-old yoga instructor who's now becoming a competitive dancer. And so when I see these things periodically, 
I really lay it on myself and say, you shouldn't be listening to any doctor, anybody saying anything about arthritis or any of this. You got to go harder, faster. And so it's very quick twitch for me to have a response of uh, anger or I once got out of a car about to take a bike ride and suddenly there was back pain and I thought, the bike ride's ruined. And the the reaction comes as quick as the pain comes. Mm-hmm, the pain mm-hmm. comes from out of nowhere mm-hmm. and the reaction comes from out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. I just wondered, since we're talking about decades yeah. of this stuff, what you recommend, because I know I could go home and read my notes and say, yes, he said things that absolutely make sense. And then I so, realized, wow, this is deep. This is, this is a big deal. So I'm hearing two different things in what you said, and let me just um, check if I'm hearing what you'd like me to comment on correctly. Um, the, last, the, the, the last thing you said I'm hearing was... Um, a pattern of self-judgment and reactivity that's decades old and how to work with that. And then the other thing was this sense of like mixed messages from the media and doctors and how to make sense of all that. Are those the two? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, there's there's a sense of I can beat this thing. I can uh, emerge victorious and look at these people. From who, aging? Yeah. That's not possible. You will not emerge victorious from aging. You will die. I'm okay with the death part. I just don't like the sickness part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might want to look at that. Right. I mean, yeah, it's very important to become conscious of that and to, to be aware, to know that, right? That's, I think they've done some studies, and it's fascinating because a lot, of, a lot of people, they find it's not actually death that we're afraid of. It's the suffering. It's the pain of the process. So that's very important to just, to, again, first to just become conscious of and to know that, and then to begin to use whatever tools you have, some of the tools I'm offering today, to meet and investigate that area of the resistance, the fear um, to, to pain, to the aging, to the decline, you know, to um, use all of the resources at your disposal to really, like, Ah, you know, this is the this is like kind of the heart of the practice in some way, or one level, one one aspect of it is going through these layers of delusion. The delusion that I am exempt because it's me, <laughs> you know, right? But I'm not exempt. Like that's it's a it's a delusion, or the delusion that like. I will age gracefully and comfortably, and then I will, you know, die peacefully, you know, and be able that 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 sort of you know picture perfect thing is going to happen. And it's not just dispelling the delusion on the on the mental level, on the the ideal level, but it's actually dispelling the delusion of um, kind of like the, these deep rooted beliefs and assumptions and perceptions we have. That's really the real work, and and what the only thing that actually shifts those are our um, our practice, our clear seeing, and uh, and and the insight that arises from clear seeing. And meditation practice makes it more likely that that will happen. So.
you know, you, you, you spoke to another, another challenge that I think many people who have any kind of chronic health condition have to contend with, which is all the different conflicting information that we receive. This person says this, and the other person says the exact opposite, and then all the, all the internet forums say this, and, you know, like, so that's, that's something that, you know, we have to use wisdom and judgment and patience to, uh, to navigate all the different information. Thank you. So Pam, and then over here, so in the red shawl. Hi. Um, as we were talking about uh, view, I was recognizing how much my <clears throat> self-identity has been, <clears throat> excuse me, formed around my uh, suffering and my pain, and uh, my um, who I am has been uh, identified yeah. around that. And um, uh, my pain. Um, my pain, exactly, yeah. And um, uh, I've been, I, I've done a lot of study. So, yeah. so uh, I, I, the pain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I've uh, variously uh, uh, tried to use the pain. Uh, and, uh, and anatta, um, I, I recognize that uh, kind of in a, a new way that I could use uh, uh, the pain to study, uh, to explore, um, I don't know how to talk about this well, but to further explore my uh, development of my um, practice of anatta. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yep. I hadn't seen that before, that um, I'm trying to do everyday practice, and uh, I've done reading on anatta, I've done uh, um, retreats and stuff like that, and um, uh, explored that, but I never realized I could use pain in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So I wanted to... Yeah, it's, um, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. It's it's a it is a, it is a, a a powerful dimension of practicing with pain as the sense of identification, and it is as you as you rightly name it's an aspect of wisdom to see the sense of identification and the relationship with the pain. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the things that can be difficult, that can be sort of the source of the most suffering, is the sense of identity. When our when this, the the loss of identity, like the loss of our sense of self as a healthy person, right? That like that sense of um, I being equated, like we we don't. It's it's the privilege of health. People who are healthy don't aren't aware that they're healthy, right? We don't see that until it's taken away, until we lose it, and then all of a sudden there's this dissonance of I with identified joined with sick or not healthy or in pain, and 
it's not just the pain, but it's the sense of, that's not me. I'm not, right? We don't, that doesn't compute. It's like the, 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 the connection there, there's a resistance to that, to the identity becoming that. Um, so seeing that process and investigating it uh, is huge, is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It can be a window to that. You know, investigating in that way can be a window into seeing a sense of um, the impermanence and selflessness of everything, and it can be in in the specific sensations uh, themselves. I mean, again, there's there's there's. Uh, I'll just say one or two more things about this, um, and then and then move on to other comments and questions. But you know. Uh, There was a conversation I had um, with my partner early on in our relationship when I was sharing about how I was feeling, and she said something like, um, "You're sick. You're a, you're a sick person. You're a sick person." And I looked at her and I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not sick. I have a sick body." And it's a, there's a very important distinction there, right? The body is sick, but when the sense of identity when I become a sick person, there's, there's more suffering, right? Another, another, so that's one place to play with wisdom and, and, and look for um, a way of having more freedom. Another place is, is and this, um, I, I don't know if you're still in the room, the woman who was sharing before about the rheumatoid arthritis, there you are, you moved. Um, uh, the perception of a condition as being constant, right? So, for example, um, I have Lyme disease. I have rheumatoid arthritis. What is that? Where, where is Lyme disease? Where is it? It's in the body, but, but where? In my experience, in my direct moment-to-moment experience, where, where is it? It's this, well, there's a sensation then there's another sensation, then there's, then there's a fatigue, then there's this, and there's that. It's this constellation. Lyme disease is, a, is on one level, it's a concept. It's a construct. Of course, there's a physical reality to it. There's an organism, there's a bacteria, there's an infection. It's creating certain effects in the body, right? But on a direct moment-to-moment-to-level, when I become identified with I have fill-in-the-blank, there's a, there's a solidification of the experience there. Versus, what's my actual experience of this? Well, there are moments of experience where there are these various constellations of sensation that vary in intensity and degree. Sometimes they're less, sometimes they're completely absent. In that moment that they're completely absent, where is it? Right? Other than as a concept, as a memory in the mind. It's very important to start to see this level of our experience to recognize that it's, it's not constant. Nothing is ever constant. We create the sense of continuity and constancy through our thinking. But to actually be able to, to um, identify the experience in its components, in its, in, its, in its momentary nature, and then that can lead to a different kind of freedom. To see that there are moments of unpleasant sensation, there are moments of neutral sensation. There are moments of, quote, symptoms. 
and moments without symptoms. And when we can start to see that, it changes the relationship with the condition. It stops being an affliction and it just becomes a condition that comes and goes. When it's an affliction, there's identification with it. When it's a condition, there's clear seeing. It's just a condition that comes and goes and changes. You had a a question or comment? Remind me of your name too. Marion, thank you. I'm great with faces and uh, I'm great with names, but I just don't stay together. Um, okay, I, I think this is a very odd question. <laughs> um, I did okay. For many years, I had the, what the pain that I had was um, degenerative back pain, spine pain. And that, I dealt with that pretty well because there are other people that have that, many people. Mm-hmm. And I, and I could say, well, this, just the things you were saying. Yeah, yeah. it's natural. Um, right. I'm not alone. I just Everyone, have yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. Other, you know, it's just the way it is. Why not? Right. And then I got an illness, complex regional pain syndrome, which is the most painful disease, chronic disease known. And there are these scales and charts, and they... They're in all the literature. Mm-hmm. Everything I open up to read or online, mm-hmm. it's it. There's this index, the McGill Pain Scale, mm-hmm. and this is the most painful, um, more than amputation and childbirth. And so, if I I feel like that's not nat, that's not okay. That's not all right. That I could that I would have the most painful. That's just horrible. Um, In other words, how could that be that I could get the most? You know, on top of, I didn't name a bunch of other stuff. Uh, And it kind of, um, uh, Mm -hmm. my parents were not, okay, they were kind of mentally ill and they would say things to me like you're going to to be miserable you know you're going to have a miserable life you're going to suffer and then it's like yeah there's the sense of it's it's not okay right there's that deep sense of the the, uh, like how horrendous to be subject to the the intensity of what you experience yeah and i i makes me feel isolated yeah. from except the yeah. the few people other people yeah. that have the same illness yeah um because people i've learned never to say this to anybody that i have the most painful because right. people get like well you're com- what are you is this a competition yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and yeah. They resent, well, yeah. mine is, right. you know, never, right. never mind you, <laughs> right. gets into that. Right, yeah. I'm just taking in what you've shared for a moment, because it's a lot.
So what is it like to include the part that says no? The part that says it's not okay. Or the experience of the aloneness. In other words, those are realities of your experience. And that is natural. Of course, of course there's a sense of being alone. Of course there's a sense of rejecting of like uh, disbelief, right? Of course, of course there is. And to make space for that, to make space for all of that too. And then that, that begins, that begins, that, that opens the door to the transformation, the tears. then it's then it's not just it's we start where we are it's like whatever is arising is natural because it's arising it's here so of course it's natural there's no experience that any of us has had that no other human being has ever had there's a, there's a name for your condition because other people have had it you know, and by all means, maybe it's very, very few people, right? But just this, there's an entry place into the sense of, of, of it not being mine. And that entry place is just what's happening in this moment. It's just, it's just the, the overwhelm or the disbelief to be able to include that because it's you know I think one of the reasons that we often get caught is that um, things are rarely black and white you know it's rarely the case that we can say um, that some you know judgment or thoughts that we're having is completely 100% wrong or unfounded, right? Like, what, like just take a, 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 a more mundane example, like, um, uh, to just make like, oh God, I'm so selfish. I'm always so self-centered. Why, why am I so self-centered, right? Well, that's not, you know, let's say that were someone's pattern. That's not going to be 100% true, Right? But, you know, we're, we all have self-centeredness, so maybe there's some reality that that judgment is being based on. If, if we believe it wholesale, that's not helpful. But if we reject it wholesale, that's not helpful either because there's actually a grain of truth in it to, to be communicated. So things are, are often not black and white. So that sense of the experience that you're having of being like, this is so rare. Like, why? How did I end up with this? And the isolation, like, there's a level of truth in that. 
So it's not just the sense of being able to say, well, that's not true, everyone suffers, right? You know, it's more nuanced. It's, so it's honoring the uniqueness of the experience without believing it completely because there is an aspect of which it's not entirely true. It's both. But the way, the way in to holding both is by meeting it and by being able to, to include it, to have the wisdom to see it and go, oh, right. All right. And then, and then we start, and then, just with that initial step, then there starts to be um, the, the possibility of more choice, of more active engagement internally with the tools of meditation and practice and externally by reaching out for support, finding the uh, connection that's needed. Is, Is some of that helpful in any way? Okay, great, thank you. So I think um, we're just about at, at our time for lunch. I saw your hand go up. Um, does it feel like it's... it's uh, you can hold it, yeah? Okay, great. So uh, let's, let's all just kind of um, take a, a couple of moments to um, sit quietly together before we break for lunch.